Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Culture Wise Podcast. You know, it's your girl Key here, and just vibing, holding a reason as we usually do. I want to introduce you to some very special people tonight. To my left, we have the guy KB. What's up, KB? Manas, manas, manas. All right. And then we have the ever effervescent Romy K to my right. <laughs> What's good, Romy K? Why free, gentle people? You already know who it is. How are you guys doing? It's nice to be back with you guys. How was your week? I feel like I've been telling you this all week, but it's been stressful. And I'd just like to say thank God for music. Yeah, man. Because without it, I would have lost my mind. Same. Thank God. Yeah. No, that's that's facts, bro. Because like, like personally for me, music is what keeps me sane. And mm. what, it's what keeps me focused. Like I literally cannot be productive without music. So yeah. I same. same way. Brother, I will I sit down in my There's... little cubicle and just listen to music whole day. Exactly. I have to, I have to. Anything I'm doing, if I'm cooking, if I'm cleaning, I need to be listening to music. So one of my favorite things to listen to, especially like if I'm doing, if I'm working on a final, a, a final project, like if it's deadline due, I'm listening to my rich motherfucking lifestyle playlist <laughs> and that straight <laughs> chopper, trapper music. Mm. And it get me in that mind frame to be like, yo, this is you that you that achieved the dollar kind. Mm. <laughs> Scammers are motivational speakers. They Truly. are. They really are. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about this week, guys? So, you know, one thing that I, I've, I've been thinking and I've been ruminating on is going forward as we're defining and we're talking about what the culture means to us and how it should be represented. You know, I think we should take a step back and, and really focus on honing on like what, what is the culture and specifically what is dancehall music because I think that is a, a pillar in terms of Jamaican music and culture and so I think there has to be more focus and emphasis there in terms of how do we define it and how it has changed and evolved over the years. You can go first KB. Dancehall provides me a window into a socioeconomic class I wouldn't otherwise have insight in. Mm. It allows me to understand the plight of different groups of people. It allows me to understand how people interact with each other. It allows me to understand subcultures in Jamaica that I would not have been privy to. And just in general terms, I think dancehall is one of the rawest and most artistic forms of expression at the disposal of the common man. Yet woefully underrated. Woefully underrated. And I, I, you think I, it's underrated? Dancehall? We're talking about globally, you know. But we're large and in charge and we're, we're leading the culture all the time. Well, I guess it's not necessarily dancehall and that's why we're here, in it? Mm. Yeah, because we, we have to figure out, like, what makes dancehall quintessentially dancehall? Like, right. what, what is the formula for that? Is there, is there a formula? Well, I think I want to add on to what KB was saying. Like, it is a window into another, into another sector of people that I might not necessarily um, interact with on a daily. But there is something about dancehall, even though I can't necessarily identify with the direct theme sometimes there's something about it that i still connect with i don't know if it's the music itself i don't know if it's the artist maybe there's like a general you know solidarity of living on in jamaica and experiencing things together that i still connect with but there's nothing that really feels like home to me than listening to dancehall truly so all right so picture me sitting down in my cubicle try trying <laughs> Like you Corporate see that KB. Corporate KB, right? Oh, he's wearing the glasses, guys. You can't see. <laughs> so picture me sitting down doing work I do not want to do, right? Don't but make your manager hear this. Oh yeah, for <laughs> Oops. Nobody wants to work. 
So that's Big up fine. yourself, Keisha. May I, may I say I work on Monday morning? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so picture me sitting down in my cubicle, doing work I don't necessarily want to do, but need to do because I need to eat. Yeah. And you know, I like to go places and I like to spend money. So Rich motherfucking lifestyle. Exactly. So I need something to keep my vibes up, my spirit up, something to engage me in a way that I like while I'm doing something I don't like. That mm, way I can work straight through the day. For me, understanding kind of why dancehall was created, I think is an important conversation too. Because dancehall historically was created, like you're saying, KB, and like you're kind of ruminating on, it was created to represent a side of Jamaican culture that wasn't being captured on the, the, the radio stations or was it being captured in, in the fits and parties that were happening uptown because mm. you have to remember say a lot of people from the lower socioeconomic strata couldn't you know venture into into that side of Jamaica right. and so mm-hmm. they needed their own spaces and their own communal environments where they can listen and enjoy music with the lyrics that represented what they were going through in life to me dancehall is it's, it's not even a genre. It transcends that. It's more For of sure. an experience. It's more of an ecosystem. It's it's a way of living. Truly. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like that's why people connect so heavily with it, whether you look at it locally or you look at it, you know, abroad. One thing I want to, to understand, though, is we've seen the sound evolve mm-hmm. from the 50s and 60s coming from sound system culture, moving into an era of digitization. I think it would have been from the late 70s, it would have started dancehall itself. Yeah. I think yeah. reggae would have been before, but um, dancehall, I think, originated around mid to late 70s. So how did how did dancehall branch off from reggae because do we do we agree that do we agree that dancehall is like a if not a subgenre it's an offshoot of reggae because if we're talking about if we're talking about dancehall um expressing the views of life and exp- and um of different socio socioeconomical struggles and and things like that I, that is kind of what birthed reggae as well people mm. trying to find a platform to express these complex feelings and obviously the sounds are different but right. i i think that the the birth of them are from similar struggles totally agree i don't know if it's the only thing but one of the distinguishing factors i think would have been the emotion that the music itself evokes so we've discussed this before. We we always saying hmm, reggae is a reflection of society, right? Mm-hmm. Dancehall is also a reflection, but it goes a step further. It's a call to action. It makes you want to get up and do something, right? I feel that for real. Mm. I think one thing we have to remember too is when reggae emerged, it coincided with the growth in in, in the Rastafarian movement, and so a lot of the the themes and the thematic elements and the tenets coincided with Rastafari philosophy. Is it me? And that that more focuses on peace and mm. unity and elevating your, your, your social consciousness. That's when a dance, point. Mm-hmm. So when dancers start out, it was more of an underground type culture where we're creating a genre for the outcasts and for the rejects of society. But in a way that is passionate, is is more aggressive, is more vocal. Mm-hmm. And other side too, it's like we want we, we want to create a space where we can escape from from the ills of society. Right. Is it me? And so there was a lot more focus on communal 
tune and entertainment let's vibrate together on a, on a high energy level type thing that mm-hmm. reg- I, I don't think reggae has because it's more to me it's more individualistic where you're more reflecting within yourself right. and how mm-hmm. can you how to make personal changes yes okay oh I was just going to say and like KB was saying it is a call to action while reggae might tell you to look around and look at how look where we are and look at how them do we look at how them do we people mm-hmm. but dancer will tell you rise up that and point it in a boy face and bust <laughs> yeah, it off and them exactly. thing there so it's it is a call to action and then Romike touched on vibrations and that leads us back into what you're talking about with the sound clash culture mm-hmm. and we're talking about sound clash culture we're talking about experiences and vibrations and the setup of the the system was mm-hmm. all about the music literally vibrating through your body with the bass yes but then when you're in a dance and cartel buzzing at your ear skilly buzzing at your bust off yeah, cause nothing, not, know, nothing a sexual way. I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so Romy K said something a while ago, and it made me think because you were saying that reggae is more of an individualistic reflection, right? And it made me think of the fact that, and you also mentioned the whole sound clash culture and the man they must square off on stage who have the best lyrics, who have the best flow, yep. that kind of thing. So it, even though it's competitive, it was still a, a more collaborative. It, it started out and progressed as a collaborative effort dancehall music so like 70s 80s 90s would have had even 2000 to 2010 would have had rhythms with a bagger man running on the rhythm and yeah try figure out who take the rhythm like that was a big topic of contention mm-hmm. who actually take the rhythm yeah because you have to remember say you know dancehall the, the more of the focus was on who captures more of the crowd attention? Who is mm. the crowd pleaser? You see me? I think that contributed to the proliferation of the culture and the development of the culture as well. You see me? So not only was there th- that piece of collaboration and, and competition, but I think that's also why the, you know the culture has and dancehall culture has become so global. What are kind? What are the things that? make an artist stand out on a rhythm? How was the standout artist decided? For me, a part of that was like your lyrical prowess you see me it, it had to be well thought out but still catchy because mm-hmm. you know you want something that can grab the people's attention and, and they can leave with even after they're not hearing the song faster paced lyrics more mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier more bass lines so a man can lean up near the sound box and drink a Heineken and mm-hmm. the sound box just a beat in him ears yeah. you see me and it comes back to our earlier point where it was more about creating an, an auditory experience for the people experience that would invoke the spirit of like community and and celebration and identity what say you kb he touched on it a while ago but for me it's primarily how the voice interacts with the rhythm i don't want to say how the man ride the rhythm because <laughs> But isn't, isn't that... But no. so Lily. That Wasn't Lily. that a game? Ride it, ride it. Yeah, let's not do no, that. Not them games, yeah, yeah, no, we never play them games. Yeah, no. We're not riding... Okay, sorry. Never played a rhythm, they need a kiki. Okay, I'm sorry. But yeah, that <laughs> my that was always my thing. So like, I think a lot of the time, the conversation got hijacked because of brand named artists. So if Cartel was on a rhythm, automatically a lot of people would have said Cartel, take the rhythm. But that wasn't necessarily true. Is who find the pockets in the rhythm the best that take the rhythm for me? I think we moved away from a bagaman running in on <laughs> a bagaman a, a bagaman a running in for come ride the rhythm the best. Oh my god! All right, yo, why are there so many homoerotic? There are so many homoerotic phrases in 
common language. Because it was I written respect, by men. I respect the gay agenda. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's a part of dancehall culture too. Lyrics and words and yeah. stringing words and ideas together. Yeah. That's something that we talked about a lot in our discussion. Like, just how the way the man use English language to just express these ideas of everyday life ideas you know like living and struggling being hungry trying to find work relationships i'm always impressed by one the the dirty versions of the song like the explicitness explicit nature yet the complexity the metaphors the literary devices of the wazoo but more so the clean versions <laughs> because sometimes the clean versions are a completely different song or so worse ridiculous. they express the exact same ideas with non-explicit words that that always blows my mind and, and I, I find dancehall artists the men and the women to be some of they're probably geniuses exactly and this is why you have a situation where people in a different economic strata feel like just because the people in the garrison is creating the music and is creating the culture automatically iterate and, and the culture should be relegated to, to the fringes of society Brother, that's I'm also going to because say it's patois and mm-hmm. there's still patois is still stigmatized in in our culture because yes reggae reggae is uses patois heavily but dancehall is a little more racha and so it, i guess it brush it bristles the sensibilities of the elites and the upper class <laughs> and all those yes i'm going to keep saying it dancehall artists distill very complicated concepts into very simple phrases and Fuck. it is beautiful an important part of the conversation too is acknowledging the the fact that producers also play a role in defining dancehall culture and, mm. and controlling how it evolves and how it has evolved over time other than you know mixing the rhythms and having a bugaman running on the rhythm what do you all see as the role of producers in defining dancehall so i was watching i think i showed you guys this too i was watching uh episode of entertainment report and a, bug- a couple of producers were on it i think scatter was on it i think damage music was on it and they were saying that in olden times the the producer them used to experiment more they used to try more things they used to combine sounds they used to create create hybrid sounds and i think he also said that now the producers are basically relying on loops they're doing Mm. using the same tactics that hip-hop artists are using and it's probably because they were trained by watching hip-hop artists they probably grew up on hip-hop artists and we've heard producers say several times that the shift in the culture was palpable between the 90s and the early 2000s because all of the producer them from the 90s and the 80s did fly gone never teach nobody nothing and then the youth them did have to learn the thing them themselves so when them are learn now their influences were still dancer but mm-hmm. in part it was foreign influences as well the breakdown in in the authenticity of the sound of dancehall i think probably started from there in essence you're saying that the producers also have a role to play in making sure that we're staying true to our cultural heritage but because there is this disconnect in in learning and in guidance the, our predecessors haven't passed on what that cultural heritage should be or what that cultural heritage is mm-hmm. and that needs to happen for dancehall to remain true to its origin we have to bridge the gap okay. and then another thing thing they were saying to not nice was saying the youth them know the leaders of the new school is more trap beats them want so if the producers don't give them what they want like him said they might go dead for hungry hmm. and that don't make no sense and it's the same thing with the artists them them not i don't i, I don't want to speak for another 
man, but it doesn't seem like they're focusing on maintaining the culture. It seems more like, okay, I'm trying to make my individual contribution and I'm also trying to eat a food and I'm also trying to bring as many of my family along to support themselves. Another school of thought could argue that though the, the, the global palette has changed in terms of music, what people are still attracted to are, are the songs from, from the 90s and the 2000s. So if the new age artist is thinking of the global appeal of his or her music and wants to capture a global audience, another school of thought could say, why not remain and stay true to that? I think nostalgia is why people love rhythms and, and songs from the 90s and the 2000s so Absolutely. much. I don't, nostalgia I don't even, sells. It's, uh, nostalgia sells, I think, as well as sex does. <laughs> <laughs> yes not as well, well not as not, well probably, probably not as well but like a, maybe like, maybe a, like a distant second, second a distant like second, second. <laughs> what we need to maintain from those past songs is not necessarily not necessarily the sound but the formula we need to focus on universal themes more we need to focus on things that the global audience can tap into i think that is a major issue that we don't we're only focusing on things that will only matter to jamaicans and the diaspora and that's not a big enough audience for us to reach the heights that we should reach in terms of content i think there's like a universal accepted guide dancehall guidelines that we we've noticed people referring to so i guess you can call it like the six g's the six ah, g's of dancehall so the six right. g's and i want i want to make sure yeah. we credit miss um shireen taylor yes because it's an article that she wrote that i'm taking this from and she said the six she's g's. another she's another dancehall jamaican culture historian and yeah let's pick up shireen while A we're beast. here mm, big up beast what she, she said yeah. she said the six g's are gone girl ghetto gaze ganja and god right. no let's just clear this up from no <laughs> Because I don't want I don't want the smoke, please. We don't want to get cancelled in that way. Let, <laughs> let, let me just say I think that dancehall has matured in its tolerance of the LGBTQ community. Because as it stands now, you don't really hear you don't hear music, you don't hear songs focused entirely on that anymore. And you also I mean if you hear anything at all about it, you're only hearing about the artist's personal preference. So they're only okay, saying that's fair. I was gonna ask about that. Fair. Yeah. Mino like man, that's it. And another another aspect or another arm of this you know, slight progression, this twenty twenty futuristic vibe of dance hall is the the way that women are presented is also a little a little more progressive, you know. I feel like before the gal tune them, whether it's wine up gal tune or bedroom time gal tune women felt very objectified with it came off as like another thing to collect along with the riches and the money and the vibes and the care and everything mm-hmm. but now there's kind of a shift to yeah like let's love up the woman name and spend money and bubble up on them in the club and da, 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 da. it's you and me and them thing there and that's always nice to see and the, you can really tell you can really tell that the the dynamic between men and women in the industry has changed mm-hmm. i mean at least for what we can see from the outside because the man them actually showing the female artist maybe them them are going with a bag of foolishness behind the scenes in terms of the music they're being as professional as can be let's not forget though dancehall culture is built on the box of women representing themselves through the music mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying off of the box of people like like Lady Saw, mm. you see me, off of the box of people like Lady G, off of the box of all the dancehall queens that we've ever had. The because a, pa- a part of the music 
is also how it's represented in other facets of, of society and culture. And dancehall music made itself apparent in like fashion, in, in, in how people dress going into the dances. Mm-hmm. And you mostly saw that with, with, with women. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to me, based on that, they play a very integral role in shaping the culture and, and defining what the culture is. Cartel is you know a feminist icon. Oh my God. I mean, I know about that one still, but... <laughs> Because everybody wanted to be a teacher. He definitely spearheaded a lot of, or some of these, I'll say contemporary um, sexual liberation movements because it definitely started with with Lady Sa and with Patra being Mm. sexy and being confident on the screen. And then it continued with Tifa. And now my girl, Shensia, is out there. Spice, how could I? Good body Spice. Mm. Good body Grace Hamilton. It's one thing for the women to be, you know, doing their thing, but we also need to be accepted by the man them who are the majority in the industry. That is true. So the Fox. F- right. So by opening these conversations with Freaky Girl and them thing there, you know, it kind of leveled the playing field a bit. You know, funny enough you say that. I remember seeing a conversation between Cecile and Futa Hype where Cecile, Cecile was saying a lot of the art, a lot of the, the, the people who control the airplay and the radio spins and, and the DJs that are DJing at the party need to give the woman artists them more space to bust. Right. You see me? Because like, if you're pre, the DJ them are going to play the, the man them with them know and them can relate to. True. And so that don't leave a lot of space for the female artists to, to, to break it out of the industry. If you're, if you're mad it, we have a, a, we have way more female DJs right now. Yes, we that's have, what I was gonna I ask. Agree. We have way more. We have a whole. I wouldn't say way more because I don't know. I, I can't quantify the the scene before, but we have a lot of female artists right now. And artists like Chanel Muir have shown us that you don't have to rely on your sexuality to to push a good song. But I think there's there still has to be space for women who want to talk about their sexuality. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Because the men, like the men them freely easy. talk about but without, sexuality. Well, exactly, but without judgment, without any sort of prejudice. But wh- one of the things I like about um, female agency in dancehall music and just in general is that women end up dictating, women end up giving men more ambition because they dictate what is needed to get their attention. Mm. Facts. But if you preach though, bro, like women actually dictate the culture. Because yeah, earlier when we were talking we were talking about like black women dictate um, culture. Correctly. Thank you. I'm glad you black guys black women you guys know dictate that. dictate the culture. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I, I kinda worried about because we don't really have like when we when we were growing up and a girl hear a song and she just instantly start bubble. Yeah. Like she she almost couldn't help herself. I don't feel like we have much of that kind of music anymore. We I would agree with you. I would agree. I also kind of share that fair with ukb like what want to we and then the the female artists are making or or music for us to dance to but the man them gonna say them raw and them not them don't like that woman for sing about them thing mm-hmm. there like so when when we, when bounty what did, do we do about that when bounty reprimanded um aishana for the you right. can write song i think to your point kiana part of the the equation is not understanding who my audience is mm. yeah. and how I should, you know, be tailored my music while still representing my perspective and my views, right? For a, for a long time, and I still I still think artists struggle with this is under like understanding like who does my music appeal to, mm-hmm. and and I think there are more tools that we can use and tap into to really understand who our audience is and and how we need to like tailor our music mm-hmm. because I definitely think that's an untapped opportunity for, for the dancehall artists Facts. right you can still create chopper music 100% agree with that but you also have to acknowledge that there there are other people within your fan base that 
are looking to you to make music for them as well and i'm not saying you know, to create music that doesn't represent who you are but i'm just saying like you can branch out into like r&b dancehall you can branch out into pop dancehall because we have the space to do that and because we and have a, a global audience exactly and the talent and that's and that's how we're going to get the global appeal mm-hmm. scamming culture is not even like scamming culture is frowned upon it's illegal it's it's illegal <laughs> you see me? and so th- th- that's going to be one of the limiting limiting factors going forward yeah. people cannot relate to the music mm-hmm. how can i be some of these are still artists yeah, yeah. some of these are still universal teams from and jamaica and still sing about my life but try and make it connect to a man we live in a england somewhere or new zealand japan clearly they feel something over there yo like dancehall and reggae music birthed literally most of the genres that we're seeing in the global crazy music sphere and so that provides an opportunity for us to fuse elements sonic elements within our music to appeal to the people who listen to pop music to appeal to the people who listen to rap cartel just released a rock tune the other day bad man bad man can you believe people are gonna say things like has afrobeat replaced dancehall (laughs) afrobeat is dancehall is dancehall like what on earth they we were i was talking about this with my friend cabra the other day they speak Patwa. And they're, they're going to say, oh, it's just pidgin language. It's just pidgin language. <laughs> I agree that we're going to have similar pidgin because we have similar historical, you know, origins. But mm-hmm. you're singing in Patwa about bubbling on girl in the dance. That is dance. Uh, exactly. It just, it just sounds a little more ethnic, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think it's ethnic, you know, sis. I think it's more pop dance. It's a more poppy type of music. It's a more yeah. pop beat to dance hall themes but maybe the formula maybe there is because i think we did map out a formula the formula charlie blacks definitely have the formula right but what if the formula is either no longer applicable or they're in the process of tweaking the formula because we are in a new era or it's a transitory it's a transitory period definitely i think we're on the brink of a new era of dancehall and maybe that's why it feels so strange like Mm. it's it's still coming it's still it's like the early 2000s are you the 90s are you 2001 like you still we're still hip-hop it's still old dancehall it the new sound hasn't set in yet so I think I that's I think that's what's happening. The artists today, I feel like, are creatively limiting themselves mm. when they could make a wider range of music. And that's why you have to appreciate the people who going out on a limb to make music that might not appeal to, to the mass market here in Jamaica. True. Because they, they have a, a, a wider vision and, and they're looking and they're being forward thinkers in terms of what like is TJ, the legacy yeah. that I want to live mm, like TJ as and a Kranikla. musician. Exactly, because you, you have to focus on making timeless music from. There is a, a balance that you can strive for in terms of making a hit song that will get you radio play, making songs that really reflect your, your values and your ideals, making songs that can really connect with your core fan base but bro i was saying that you have to remember that generally in jamaica we tend not to do things that we don't know are going to work but i think i want to disagree with that yeah i disagree with you and i and i think that is precisely why we are in this transitory phase because the man they're they're growing as young people's a new crop of artists i guess them they're putting out their feelers because this there are a lot of new sounds already Mm. so maybe there this is the experimental phase that you're talking about romi k where naturally we are at a natural 
part in time and in history where there should be a follow-up to to the 90s to, to 90s and even early 2000s dance hall we're in the 2020s so it's literally a next a next generation that's fair that's fair mm. i concede yeah no I, I i'm not saying you're wrong bro i'm just saying that i possibly hold artists to a higher standard than they hold themselves mm. because i i see a lot of value in the music the music represents more than just the words that the artist is 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 penning or the beat that the artist is is voicing over the music represents the people i want and i hope that artists can see the value in experimenting because the culture was built on experimentation the culture was built on creating a new avenue for the people to access something that they they can relate to so it's built on creation and and i feel like we've lost that sense we want to take the the easy way out or we want to take not necessarily a lazy way because it takes effort to make music. We, we want to just constantly say, all right, I'm just going to make its, make its, make its. And at the end of the day, two, three months, where is the song? Mm. Yeah. Is that what you want your legacy to be as a, as a dancer or artist? Obviously, there is a monetary incentive as well. But at the same time, like... Stay true to yourself and true to the art. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. In terms of experimenting, we can agree that the new crop are experimenting with this sound in terms of fusing it with external genres but at the same time they're not experimenting enough because they're still relying on themes that they know will gain traction in jamaica i think we need to move away from thinking that the relationship between the genres is parasitic instead of symbiotic i agree so i think that we're all feeding off of each other and we need to use the best parts of each other's not necessarily even the best parts just what works with our own and what will be accepted by them if that makes sense i agree and, i think that's and a really i think that's a really solid point yeah we need to stop looking at all because the music has been blurred for a while now all the lines between the genres have been blurred we need to stop looking at it as distinctly separate music and figure out how we're going to just feed the masses and maybe the the um way to do that is instead of this fixation on the music itself and what it is saying because it's not like we dislike the sound it's not like we dislike what we're hearing now but maybe we need to put the attention on the artist and rising up the artist the individual artist like Mm. promoting these people like this these are now the faces of dancehall it's not so much beanie man it's not so much sean paul it is mm-hmm. these set of people it is intense it is <laughs> governor it is these people so i think putting putting the spotlight back on the artist especially coming off of last week's episode where we we're talking about this um there's still uh, a predilection to demonized dance hall if you put the if you put faces to these people i feel like that could definitely help with this globe with bringing us to a global market so for sure and then that breaks away from you you saying that the music tends to blur if i can if the music is starting to be similar because we're in because of globalization we're all in a similar vibe we're all in similar stations in life as millennials and etc but i can recognize this as uniquely whoever mm-hmm. i think that's a way to divide it as well like rise of the artist them man put up them that's face fair. spot the the title spotlights on people the apple music spotlights i think those are excellent and if we can and find think... a way to do that from home so the so the outside outside forces the outside industries aren't dictating who is popular in for us we 
we push it out and then they accept it. You know what I'm saying? If that kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I get you. I yeah. get you. Yeah. But what I was thinking is that, and I, I believe we're going to touch on it in a, in a future episode, we need to really figure out why the neo reggae artists are popping. Why have they, f- and what is their formula what, that they What found? is their formula? What is their formula? And why why can't the dancehall artists adapt that formula? Mm, that's, a, that's a nice little cliffhanger to leave us on in it. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Do you guys have any final thoughts? I, f- I feel like at, at the end of this discussion, we, we definitely figured out how to map the dancehall formula. I feel like we at least have the key ingredients. And I think we come to a point where because of this evolution that we're in, we can't really, we don't really know what the new formula is or what the the new ingredients are going to be. But I think we can acknowledge that there are some changes and people either are going to embrace them or lean away and shy away and be afraid that it's interrupting the culture. Yeah. What I will say is that is either one of two things going to happen. Is either the producer them going to link up with the artist them and say, ah, we need to go back to the drawing board, look at the old rhythms and figure out reverse what engineer we, them what and figure are. out what we need and update the sound. Or we're just going to completely forget about that and focus on what we're doing now and evolve from what we're doing now. Is one of the two going to happen? I think thinking about it as an update, I think that's a good frame of mind to put it. And that might ease mm. us a little bit about, you know, erasure, cultural erasure and forgetting our roots if we mm-hmm. if it's an update. I hope it is a thing where there is a conversation with the producers because clearly the man, them, them not, them not talking about each other. They're not talking about the future of that. Them just are make music as Romy K say. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, Romike? I think you guys summarized a lot of my sentiments. I will just add that what I hope to see going forward is artists making music for themselves. Mm. I, I want artists to make music that represent who they are, represent their background, and not focus on like you know what is going to make a splash. Because I feel like if you're being true to yourself and you're being true to your cultural background and your cultural heritage, you're automatically going to make music that people will relate to because there are a lot of people that share the same experience there are a lot Mm -hmm. of people who went through the same things you know so automatically it's going to get to a point where it's it's incredibly resonant within the sphere of music locally and globally and so i think the artists themselves also have to take a step back and say like what do i want to create what is the legacy that i want to build you know, who are the people that I'm actually trying to reach with my music? And think about creating their their sound from that perspective and, and from that lens. And that's another reason why it's important for us to bring these things to discuss because, yeah, we came to this episode of Culture Wise fe- feeling like we did kind of hammer the formula. And through the discussion, we kind of piece together what we think needs to happen in the culture to bring it forward. Yeah, so... Sign us out, Naromike. Thank you all for listening. And remember to comment, subscribe, share, leave a rating. It is greatly appreciated. And as always, don't do it for the likes. Do it for the culture. Stay culture-wise. I'm your host, Naromike, signing out until next time. Peace.